0: Bible tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee one day will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I don't know about you, these are exciting days to be alive. That may not be the attitude of your life right now. These are turbulent times it seems like they're hectic times. It seems like the world around us has just gone crazy in many respects. But what a wonderful time to be alive because we know that today we are closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than we've ever been before. I want to continue our study today on vision, on Kazon it's a Hebrew word that means a revelation or a dream from God. And today I want us to consider the pursuits of our lives. Let me tell you a story. It's a real story. Matt Emmons is the central figure in this story. Matt Emmons is an American Olympian I know the Olympics the Winter Olympics at least are coming up I I don't know about you I love the Olympics I I love to watch them I love all of the special interest stories that come beforehand somebody that has overcome great tragedy and and risen to the top of their uh, elite level of competition Matt Emmons was one of those guys He's competed in four different Olympics, which is pretty amazing to think about over the course of that kind of time, 2004, 2008, 2012, and 2016. He is a professional competitive shooter. And Matt Emmons was shooting for his second gold medal in the 2004 Olympics. He'd already won one gold medal. Interestingly, a whole different part of the story, when he arrived there in Athens, somebody had, had messed with his gun. They had, had destroyed it, and so he won a gold medal with a borrowed gun. Pretty amazing. Well, he was one shot away from his second gold medal. It was a 10-shot competition, and he was miles ahead of everybody else. He had one shot left he he, all he had to do was was just basically hit the target almost anywhere and he was assured the gold he had won so many points already and so he went through his mental checklist of all the things that you do as a professional competitive shooter he got on the target he slowed his breathing he did everything just right He reached into the trigger guard. He put his finger on the trigger at just the precise place that he had been trained almost his entire life to do. I mean, he's made this shot over and over and over again. And once he got on it and got his breathing under control, he could almost close his eyes and guarantee victory. He squeezed the trigger, and he centered the bullseye. I mean, right smack dab in the middle, and he lost the gold. He lost the opportunity to win silver. He dropped to eighth place because of his shot, right in the center of the bullseye. You know why? Matt Emmons was in lane number two, and he aimed at the target in lane number three. They call it a crossfire. He nailed the target that he was shooting at, but the target at which he was aiming had nothing to do with the competition that he was currently involved in, and he plummeted. He got a zero on his last shot, which made him the eighth place shooter. He lost standing on the metal platform. I want to put a picture of a target up here if we can. I think we can. There's one in your bulletin. I, I want you to think about this question this morning. Very simply, personally, not somebody else, you. What in life am I aiming at? What in my life am I aiming for? I don't care if you're a a student, an elementary school student, if you're a high school student, if you're one of our college students in our collegiate ministry, or if you've long since been out of school and even out of your work life and retired, I want to ask you the question. This week when you get up and you go into your day, what are you aiming at? Many, many people are are guaranteed to hit every shot that they don't take because they're shooting at nothing. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. Matt Emmons aimed tragically at the wrong thing. This quote by D.L. Moody that has been reeling around in my mind over and over again this week has haunted me. And I hope that it will haunt you moving forward. He said, our greatest fear ought not be failure. Our greatest fear ought to be succeeding at things that don't matter. There are a whole lot of people that are building a life, they're they're aiming at targets that ultimately will not matter. 10,000 years from now, the amount of money that you earned, the type house that you lived in, the type car that you drove, the, the clothes that you wear will not matter. Those things that are eternal will matter. And so my question to you today and my hope is that you would just have that sense of a target in your mind and in your heart all week long and moving forward in your life and you would say, what is it that's important for me to shoot at? What am I aiming for? What are the things that I want to be said about me when I'm long gone? And, and I don't want this to be depressing. I'm not trying to get you to be uh, reflective on all of your life past. I'm asking you to take aim today. You see, we're talking about core values. And as we talk about core values today, let me give you a little background. All of us for the last month have been considering this idea of God's vision for our lives. And we'll study that all the way through the end of the month of February. As we think about vision, your vision is uniquely made up from your past experiences, your core values, those things that are most important to you, and then moving forward, your spiritual gifts. God has designed every single one of us uniquely and this is the beauty of Kazon. When we begin to think about this idea of Kazon, it comes from, uh, from Proverbs 29 18, where scripture says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. I want you to say that verse with me. Where there is no vision, the, let's say it this way. I'll say it and then you say it. We'll try that again. That was not very clear. That wasn't a clear vision. Where, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now what does that mean? It means that people cast off restraint, they run wild, they they become depressed because there's no clear goal, no clear aim, and they just begin to make up targets to shoot at. And for you and for me as we consider this idea of God's vision for our lives, here's the encouragement. I really want you to get this down even before we move into this study on core values. The beauty of what God is doing through this notion of kazone is that you can stop comparing yourself to other people. I was sharing with our college ministry earlier in our small group Bible study that oftentimes we compare ourselves to other people. And often when we do that, we don't measure up. I'm not as smart as he is. I'm not as good-looking as she is. I am not as, as fast or as strong or as wise or as savvy in business as that person is. And when we start making those comparisons, we begin to think somehow that we're failure. But I think we need to fear not failing. We need to fear succeeding at something that doesn't matter and if you decide that you're going to try to emulate and be somebody else then you're gonna fail because God uniquely designed you to be you he's given you a a a whole lifetime thus far of experiences that shape you into who you are so that you can step out into the next season of your life and serve him and so it's a unique thing to all of us now one of the phrases that we've used over and over again it's in your notes I want to make sure we start there's a foundation Everybody ends up somewhere, few people end up somewhere on purpose. You, you don't drift into discipleship, you're intentional. I don't drift into health, I make a plan and I eat a certain way and I exercise a certain way and I sleep at a certain time and I do all of the things that have to do with a proper plan, a, a, a vision if you will, for uh, my health, Kazon. You don't drift into financial success. Think about it. Most people are drowning in debt and they're struggling with their finances because they spend more than they make and they use credits, uh, credit cards and otherwise and they, they leverage life. And, and many, many people in our world, in our country certainly, are struggling financially. Why? Because they don't have a kazone. They don't have a plan. They don't have a, a revelation there. When we do things God's way, He gives us very clear instruction in His Word. And over the next several weeks, we're going to begin to talk about Kazone in application, how it fits with relationships, how it fits spiritually, how it fits financially. And and all of that is just background. Uh, But as we think about this notion, me uh, and our staff have have just been wrestling with this. In my own heart, I've been wrestling with my own sense of Kazone. What is it that God wants Hardy Street Baptist Church to be and to do and to look like? And we came to a place of saying we wanted 2018 to be a season of growth. That for all of us, we would begin to look at where we are and we would grow in the Lord. We would grow in knowledge and wisdom. We would grow in understanding and in obedience to His Commands, And so all of that puts together a sense that we want to end up somewhere on purpose. That we don't want to look back and just say, well, we we did some okay things here and there. No, we want to be very intentional. I I want you to be able to walk in and out of this place and say, I don't ever want to miss a service because God's up to something at Hardy Street. And I don't want to miss what He's doing. I want us moving forward, going someplace, impacting something that's greater than ourselves. Years ago... We were on vacation, and it was one of those vacations where we decided that we were just going to do absolutely nothing a couple of days, where, where we were just going to veg out mindlessly. We're getting rid of the phones, we're getting rid of contact, and we took all of the stuff that we could possibly gather and carry to the beach. And we set up shop. I mean, we planted our flag. We had a big tent. We had coolers. We had blankets. We laid all of that stuff out. We set up Camp Hanbury right there. We have established the beachhead, okay? It is ours. And I blew up a little cheap raft that we bought at Walmart, and I pushed myself out far enough to where the waves weren't going to push me right back into the sand, and I went to sleep. Now, some of you are moaning and groaning. I I had sunscreen on, so I wasn't worried about all that. I was slathered up with sunscreen and ready to just sleep. And you talk about some, I mean, that's good sleep right there. Well, when I woke up some season later, I don't know how long it had been. I woke up and I looked, and Stephanie had packed up Camp Hanbury. It was gone. And I I said in my heart and my mind woman what meaneth thou this (laughs) my wife and my kids and my tent and the radio and the cooler everything gone and then I started kind of investigating the landscape and I realized that she had packed it up and she'd moved it about 200 yards down the beach and I said this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life why in the world would she go to all that trouble to move all the way down there. Well, you know what happened. The currents had slowly pushed and pushed and pushed. And when I finally landed on the shore, I was a long way away, drifting from where I'd started. I want to tell you something, Hardy Street. Can we just draw in real close for a second? I'm scared to death. That the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2018 in America is asleep and drifting. The world around us desperately needs us to plant a flag and say, This is where we stand. This is who we are. Not what we stand against, but who we are. We need to demonstrate the love of Christ. We need to show people the Christian life works. Do the people around you look at your life and see that your life counts for something bigger than this life? You see, that, that takes us to our text. Matthew chapter 13. And I want to ask you some very vital questions this morning. Let's read our text together first. Matthew chapter 13 beginning in verse 44. Matthew 13 in verse 44 and 45. In, in fact, we'll read on through to the 46th. But Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up and then in his joy goes out and sells all that he has to buy that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had And bought it. The value of the kingdom of God. Jesus, preaching here, teaching here, sharing here, said that the kingdom of God is more valuable than anything you can amass in your life. That if you took all of everything that you have, you take your balance sheet, you take your assets, your liabilities, and everything that you can get your hands on, the kingdom is worth taking all of that to auction, selling it off, pawning it off, liquidating all of it so that you can go and be a part of the kingdom of God. That It is so valuable that every experience of life, every uh, physical uh, possession of life pales in comparison to the kingdom. So I have two questions for you this morning. Number one, what do you value most? What do you personally value in your life? Uh, Oh, many would say, I value my family, and that's good. Many would say, I I value my business that I've built up. That's wonderful. Some of you might say, I value my reputation, my name in the community. That's good too. The, The second question kind of springboards off of that one. What should you value in life? And that goes back to our target. What are you aiming for? What are you aiming at? Because many, many people will come to the end of life, and I promise you, I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet, I work for a non-profit, but I can guarantee you this. Many of you will come to the end of your life, and you have climbed all of the ladders, and you're going to realize your ladder's been propped up on the wrong building. Because everything you work to build and everything you work to amass means nothing in eternity. Parents, what are you teaching your kids to value? That question's not on the screen, but you need to hear it. Are you teaching them to value the here and now? Or are you teaching them to value eternity? Are you teaching them to value all that is to come? Now, I want to give you some, some basic litmus test for setting proper core values. Because if you're going to live out God's vision for your life, you need to establish these things are non-negotiable and they matter most. These are the most critical things. These are my core values. Now, you understand with me that stated values and core values are radically different. I I can say I value something, but you can look at my life and see whether I really do. In fact, the, the greatest measure of that is my checkbook and my calendar. You look at how I spend my time and how I spend my money, and you'll understand what I value the most. But if you begin to look at lives where a stated value and actions actually line up, you see a powerful life. I've met many people that are like that. Many of them are in this room. You are sitting around some people who are living life intentionally, on purpose, where they say the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life, and their actions prove it. Their money, their time, their talents, their treasures, all of those things are centered around uh, the kingdom of God. They're centered around bringing glory and honor to Jesus. So I ask you, what about you? What about you? What are you aiming for? What do you value most? What should you value most? Let me give you some insight, if you will, into these things. Number one, I want you to see that we need to value the eternal over the temporal. We need to value the eternal over... The temporal. Listen to a couple of verses. In fact, you may want to write the addresses down for these. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Paul went on to say to the Corinthian church these words. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. That's a verse we need to say together. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. Get that into your heart and your mind. Where there is no vision, the people perish. This world as we know it will soon pass away. You see, God has a plan and a purpose, and His plan is eternal in nature. It's not temporal. So the vision of God is for you and for me to consider life beyond this life. That's why He would say in uh, Jesus' words of teaching in these parables that the kingdom of God is just like This is a field of such unbelievable value that a man would say, there's not even a question. I don't have to weigh this one out. This is a no-brainer. I will give up everything that I have so that I might attain that. And when you and I get to that kind of place of hungering, we'll be filled. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed. Abundant happiness is that word there in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Getting to the place where you absolutely say, Oh Lord, if you don't show up in my life, if you don't show up, I'm done. God, I need you. You are the very breath that I breathe. You are the very air around me. You are the the lover of my soul. You are the desire of my heart. You are the one that I long for. And when we get to that place of beginning, just even beginning to see the value and the beauty and the incredible pricelessness of the kingdom of God. And the grace that has been so lavishly given to us. We begin to value eternity over the temporal. You you see, when I value eternal things, I recognize that this life is not all there is. I I recognize how short this life is. I, I had a pastor who often said, he was an older pastor at the time I met him when I was a young man. He used to always say, you know, your cradle rocks against your tombstone. this life is quick some of you would even testify that this life is speeding up anybody there where did january go and you say january how about 2015 i'm you know it's gone you start looking and time is just speeding up where is this life going and for all of us, we begin to realize that if we truly understand, Kazon, that God created us for a very specific reason, a very specific vision, then you and I will begin to value the eternal over the temporal. Think about this with me. Let me give you a biblical illustration. Moses could have become the next Pharaoh. He, he was in line in that place of diplomacy, knowing Uh, all that he knew growing up in the home of Pharaoh. And yet the writer of Hebrews said about Moses a fascinating thing. Listen to these words. The writer of Hebrews said, considering the approach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he was looking to the reward. You see, Moses saw not just the short-sighted gain. Hey, I can climb this ladder and I can be powerful in Egypt. No. He said, I can submit myself to God and in eternity see the reward. Listen to these words, Hebrews 11, 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Listen to that. Moses endured by faith as one seeing him who is unseen. You know, the old hymn writer really did get it right when he said these words, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I believe the greatest need of our church if the greatest fear is that we would succeed in things that don't matter I think our greatest need is just one glimpse of the master oh that the manifest presence of God would fall in this place oh that the spirit of God would sweep through your heart and my heart he would sweep through our lives and he would transform us so much that we would begin to say I I don't care about temporary satisfaction I long for the eternal and I'm going to share the gospel everywhere that I go I'm going to share the good news I'm going to live as a kingdom citizen and I realize that the the price of this life pales in comparison to the value of the next life and that you would value the eternal over the temporal. I don't know what you're putting your stock in but listen to me. Your youth will perish. It will. Young people, you need to hear this. Is it good to take care of your bodies now? Absolutely, it is. But sooner or later, they're going to wear out and wind down. I, I, I don't mean to be fatalistic there, but they'll fade. Beauty will fade. Health will fade. Friends will forsake you. The real estate will fluctuate. Money will cheapen. Stocks will drop. The weather is uncertain. Knowledge passes. Boundaries change. Subdivisions rot. Defeat follows political victory. You may have a high for a moment, but I promise you there will be a low on the other side. Stars fade, and sooner or later you will come to a place in your life where you are unlisted and unsolicited. That there are celebrities of yesterday that we can't even remember today. That there are countless scores of generations of people that have come and have gone. And my challenge to you this morning and my heart's desire is that you would begin to aim at things that matter. You would say, these things are core convictions of our heart and of our church. That we're not going to focus on temporal things, we're going to focus on eternity. And, And listen to me, it goes back to what I said about looking into the face of Christ. When I do look into the face of Christ, things that don't matter fade. When I'm busy doing what I'm supposed to do, then I don't have time to grumble and complain about things that I don't prefer. Hello? It's so vital in church life that we create this culture that Jesus is valued above all else. Eternal, not temporal. Secondly, spiritual over physical. Spiritual over physical. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I believe it's critical for us to begin to look at this life through spiritual eyes And lay up things over there that will matter, things that will last, things that will count. In fact, the Bible says, do not lay up treasures for yourself here on earth that rot and rust and decay. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, eternal things. 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lasts Forever. You may be doing all that you can to take care of your physical body and your physical house and your physical being. But, but what are you doing to take care of your soul? I mean, you you come to church, so obviously you've got some desire to grow closer to God or to learn more about God. Is that a true statement? Yes or no? I would think that's probably why you're here at some level. Maybe you're out of guilt or habit. I don't know. Maybe you're here because you have an earnest expression to, to learn and grow. But regardless of that, you you hear sermons over and over again. You hear Sunday school lessons over and over again that say, give your life to God. Not give your Sundays to God. Not give a little bit of time to God. Not tip your hat at God. Don't treat God like a vending machine where you, you put in a prayer and expect to get what you want out of it. You begin to see with me that when I value true spiritual life, over physical things, that I begin to want to do what He wants, not what I want. Now, why is this so important? I I did a little research this week. Our Mississippi Baptist Convention has got some pretty amazing demographic and psychographic information capabilities. Within a 15-mile driving radius of our church, 15-minute drive time, excuse me, not mile, 15-minute drive time, there are close to 80,000 people. The latest statistics say that 67% of the state of Mississippi is unchurched, 67%. Now, do you realize that we are the most churched state in the United States? There are more churches per capita than any other state in all of the United States, and our state is at 67% unchurched. I got to playing around with it just looking at the churches in our Pine Belt Association. 53 churches that are Southern Baptist right here in the Pine Belt. And if we added up the seating capacity of all of those churches, we could only, just seating capacity, we could only seat about 12% of all of the population of the Pine Belt. So for you and for me to come into this place and say, you know what, we're doing okay. I I go to church and, and things are fine. No, you're looking at your own physical life. If we're looking at eternity and we're looking at spiritual things, let's just dream big. Pastor, what would it look like if every church in the Pine Belt went to two services and packed them all out? I mean, every time we gathered on Sunday, two times every Sunday morning, every church filled to capacity. Are we filled to capacity today? No. If every church were filled to capacity, we could only seat 24% of the population of the Pine Bell. Folks, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. We've got to plant churches. We've got to multiply ourselves. And that's not something that happens at an organizational level. Okay, Pastor, I'm behind you. You go plant church. No. Churches are planted because believers share the gospel with their neighbors and people are hungry and they just continue to develop and grow. So you've got to start reproducing yourselves spiritually. And we want to help you with that. But the vision of moving forward in this church year of growth, this season of growth, means that we'll begin to value the eternal over the temporal and we will value together the spiritual much, much more than we do physical comforts, physical things. When I talk about physical, I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm talking about our lifestyle. You know, we we need to say, well, I'm I'm busy, Pastor. Guess what? We all are. I I said on Wednesday to our senior adults, I I have learned or I am learning right now that normal is nothing more than a setting on your dryer. That's the truth. That's the only place in my life that I find normal. I can go walk into my laundry room and go, yep, there it is. That's normal. Because nothing else is normal right now. Not in my life, I don't know about yours. I find myself broken hearted over the lostness that's around us. And the only way that we're going to make a dent in the lostness in the pine belt is for all of us to get a glimpse of Jesus that would reorient us to this place of saying, I don't fear failure. I, feel, I fear succeeding at things that don't matter. I value eternity. I value spirituality. Thirdly, I want you to see this. We need to come to the place of saying, I value God's agenda over mine. God's agenda over mine. You, you think about this with me. God doesn't ask for a lot. You know what he asked for? First place. He doesn't give you a long laundry list. He just said, make me. Make me first in the decisions that you make about how you spend your time and your money. Make me first in the decisions that you make about conversations that you have. Make me first in the places you go and the things that you think and the things that you watch and the things that you eat. Make me first in every area of your life. And we go back to our text and Jesus said to a group of people who were religious and looking just like many of us are today, they're longing for something deeper. Jesus looked at them and said, let me tell you about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this. It is like a field that has a treasure hidden in it, and it is so valuable that anything and everything that you could ever get your hands on to sell, it's still worth more. Giving it all up, you'll gain all the more. We've got to get to the place where we say, God, your agenda counts. Now, I want to finish very, very quickly with four words. You've heard them over and over again. What is the vision for my life? I'm just letting you peek into my journal because this has become part of our church. If I'm really going to be honest about this idea of core values, there are four things that I will stake my life on. This is Scott Hanbury, but it's also part of our church. Knowing, growing, going has become for us kind of the mantra of our church. Knowing Christ, making him known. Growing in Christ and going for Christ. If you look at the the logo of our church, that ichthus, that fish, it's divided into three parts. Knowing, growing, going. The head, the body, the tail. The head, knowing. The body, growing. The tail, going. All right. And the idea is this, very simple. Knowing Christ and making Christ known are two of my core values. And they come with these words. Prayer is all about knowing Christ. I determined a long time ago that if there was anything in my life that I could take hold of, it would be prayer. That if my prayer life grew, my relationship with God would grow. That if I communicated with Him. I want to challenge our church in 2018 to be a church of prayer like never before. Again, we're going to put tools in your hand. And it's not just about us trying to spark a flame and try to fan this thing. I need leaders that are in this room that resonate with eternity. That understand the great value of the kingdom. That say, I want to shoot at that target, Pastor. In a thousand years from now, I want to look back and say, in 2018, we gave blood, sweat, and tears for the cause of the kingdom of Christ, not for the physical appearance of Hardy Street Baptist Church. This place one day will crumble. It will fall. It is made of bricks and mortar and stone, and it will go away. But the kingdom of God will endure forever. I want to be a part of that. And the way that I get my marching orders is through prayer. God, today guide me, direct me, lead me. Again, I don't care if you're a third grader or you're 93. Everywhere you are, God's given you the unique privilege of talking to Him. So let's make prayer knowing Christ foundationally and fundamentally a part of who we are. I, I want people in this community to say, I don't know anything else necessarily about Hardy Street, but I know those folks talk to God. They have a a direct connection they pray secondly evangelism it's still on the head of the logo making Christ known we need to do everything that we can to tell people how valuable he is but listen to me you need to look this way the only way you're going to talk about Jesus is if you really value him hello I've heard you talk about your grandkids some of you ad nauseum. I've heard you talk about your football team. Some of you ad nauseum. I've heard you talk about deer hunting and shopping and all kinds of things. Now, I like hearing your deer hunting story. Oh, never mind. Sorry. That's <laughs> mine. We talk about things that are important to us. Are you talking about Jesus Monday through Saturday? Or just sitting and listening to other people talk about him on Sunday. Knowing Christ and making him known. Second, uh, thirdly, the next one is growing in Christ, which is discipleship. That we would teach you how to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And that you would teach others to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And finally, going for Christ, which is Missions. Those are four core values that we will stand on in the coming years. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But if we would devote ourselves and say, I'm going to make prayer important tomorrow. I'm going to make evangelism tomorrow. I'm going to find somebody that I can pray for and then share with. And I'm going to grow in the Word. And I'm going to go into my school, into my neighborhood, at my job, everywhere I go, in the name of Christ. It'll make all the difference, not in this world. This world as we know it, it's passing away. It'll make all the difference in eternity. I, I want to ask something kind of unique. Jeremy, if you don't mind, if you'll turn the camera off from our live stream for just a moment. I, I need to share something with you, and it just it, it has to do with some, uh, some sensitive matters. Now I've got everybody's attention. Is it off? Yes? At least the audio part. We are partnered with missionaries that work around the world. One such family, if you go to our ghost center, you'll find them. they work in South Asia. And starting Tuesday in South Asia, there's a group that are meeting. There's about 60 that will be gathering. They are doing their dead level best to reach over 100 million people in one state that most of you have probably never even heard of in a country in South Asia. And they've already seen over a hundred churches planted in the past six months. It's just like wildfire. Now for their security and safety, we we don't want to broadcast. I'm going to ask you to pray for the people that will be meeting in South Asia Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But I'm also hoping and praying that what's happening there would catch fire here. That we would realize that these are not superhuman people. These are ordinary people who have trusted in extraordinary ways in an an extraordinary God. And and I have dialogue with one of them. His name is Levi. I talk to Levi once a week. And and I was talking to Levi Wednesday, and he said, please ask the people of Hardy Street Baptist Church to pray for our work this week in South Asia because I believe there's going to be something more significant than we've ever seen before happen. And I'm asking you to pray for that. Will you join me in looking for the right target and then saying, I'll aim with everything in my being to shoot at a target that matters over the next week, month, year. Would you be willing to say, Pastor, it's scary to let go and let... control." I realize that. Pastor, I I don't know. I mean, I'm counting the cost, and and it's going to cost me to give up the time that it's going to take to invest in the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is so valuable that no amount of time or money is worth holding on to. So for all of us, who's with me? Who will go? Who will know, grow, and go? Knowing Christ, making Him known. Growing in Christ and going for Christ. That's the challenge. Maybe today you don't know him. We'd love to share with you how you can. Maybe you've played the game of church. I found myself just riveted with that thought that he's not worth everything to me. We sing it. There are times I've got a lot of things that are worth a whole lot to me. There really is something about that name. And if you need to discover it today, we would love to help you. We'll have prayer partners here in just a moment. I'm going to invite all of our worship leadership team to to make their way back up. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation together. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a time of decision. And you respond to God. Let's stand together as I'm praying. Father, I pray that in this place that many would resonate with the value of the kingdom and that they would give themselves wholeheartedly to you. In these coming days, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, maybe the need of your life is to unite with this church. We'd love for you to be a member, to link arms with us and say, I want to be a part of a church that's going someplace. Maybe the need of your life is to be saved. We have, again, encouragers here that would love to share with you how you can be saved. Maybe you need to come to the altar. You let God have his way during this time. Let's sing. Our desire is very simple. And I want you to hear this from my heart to yours. My desire is not to beat you up, but to build you up. You know, you can walk out of here and say, well, the pastor said we ought to do more. No. I I pray that I didn't preach a good sermon, but I pointed you to a great Savior. He is worth everything we could give. And as we think about His Word, We ask the question, what should we value the most? I'm going to ask John Kirkpatrick if he would come and to pray and lead us in a closing word as we're dismissed.